You Can Handle Anything, episode number 355. Welcome to the You Can Handle Anything podcast. I'm your host, Shira Gura, and I know firsthand what it feels like to get hijacked by your emotions, keeping you from fully enjoying the moments and people in your life. But I also know that your life is built on moments, and the key to breaking free from emotional triggers lies in recognizing that at any given moment, you possess the power to choose your responses. Unfortunately, many people never learned how. In this podcast, we'll explore the everyday triggers we all face, and I'll share with you the mindset tools and strategies I developed to empower you to stop reacting automatically, break free from the negative patterns that keep you stuck, and become a positive force in your life and in your relationships. Let's get started. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I have a treat for you. Today, I am sharing with you an interview with a very special friend. Her name is Esther Goldenberg, and you may be familiar with her name if you've been a longtime listener, because she's been on my podcast before, not in an interview, but actually sharing a stuck story and her unstuck process. So let me tell you how I know Esther. About 10 years ago, I had a blog where I was sharing my personal stuck stories and the process of me getting unstuck. And one of my readers at the time suggested that I turn my work into a book, which sounded like a great idea, but I had no idea how to do that. And through a mutual friend, I met Esther, who at the time was focusing on book coaching, like helping people turn their ideas into a book. Long story short, Esther and I became good friends through this process. We became neighbors for a few years, and she is just an all-around incredible person. But beyond her amazing character traits, she happens to be an incredible writer. And today, Tuesday, February 20th, 2024, a book, and not just any book, but an amazing book that she wrote is coming out. The book is called The Scrolls of Deborah. This book is a work of historical fiction. It's also about mothering and friendships and sisterhood and intergenerational family saga. The main character, Deborah, is not the prophet Deborah, but actually a character that we find in the book of Genesis, who literally has one line written about her. Personally, I never heard of this character before Esther wrote the book. And what Esther did was she developed an entire life story about this character that we literally know nothing about. So in this interview, Esther shares about this book writing process, and she even shares an excerpt from the book, which when she does, I want you to pay really, really close attention and see what you notice. The title of this podcast episode, by the way, is called Consider Helping a Friend. And when you're done listening to this episode, I would like to invite you to consider purchasing a copy of this book today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, but today. As an author, I know how important it is when there is a large quantity of sales on the first day that a book is being released, and I am doing my best to help Esther in this way. And by you considering to purchase a copy, you'll be helping me help her. And for that, I am grateful. Okay, without any further ado, here's the interview. Hey, Esther, welcome to my podcast again. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you, Shira. 
All right. So you know that, because I've been also talking about it on the podcast, so also my listeners know that this month inside of the Living Deliberately Circle, we're practicing to, we're practicing patience. And I've been mentioning on the podcast that I have a big project that I'm working on right now, and it's requiring me to be very patient. And it's actually been really, really difficult. And, you know, I was just thinking about it, like, there's one thing when you are working towards a goal or you're working towards a dream or something, and it's really all about your personal goal, you know, like, um, I don't know, running a marathon or losing weight or learning a new musical instrument or something like that. And yeah, you need to be patient, but it's, it's really about, you know, your, it's, it's a personal goal, you know, but what I'm working on right now is, it's like, I just feel like it's for the world. And I'm feeling so impatient because I really just want to bring this out to the world. And why am I sharing this? Because I mentioned in the introduction already that you have been working on this book for a while. And yes, you can say, you know, it's for you because you're the author of the book. But I know also that this is for the world. This is This book is a gift to the world. So I would just love to hear from you, your, your journey of, you know, the last, I don't even know how long it's been since you wrote, started the book, since you've got an agent and you've got a publisher, like all of that. Um, what, what has that required of you? Mm, thank you so much for that introduction and those questions. I do know that you have been focused on and thinking about patience lately because I, I'm a regular listener to your podcast. As you know, every Tuesday, I listen to the episode every Tuesday, I find something to appreciate and learn in each episode. And often you sharing your story allows me to reflect on my life and your life at the same time, because it's a story of yours. And so it's been really interesting to me to hear you talk about patience, especially as I knew we were going to talk about patience, how, how patience relates to me and my book, because I know that you're creating something amazing for the world. And I know that you're feeling impatient about bringing it to the world. And the funny thing is, I don't feel impatient about what you are bringing for the world, because I know that you create amazing things. And so I know that you are busy working on that, like everything that I've ever seen you create has been really so helpful and amazing that I'm not impatient to see what it's going to be because I know it's going to be wonderful and I know you're going to bring it when it's ready. And I also think I'm not impatient because it's you, it's not me, right? So when we when we look at the question of my patience in this book process, I think one of the things that just simply made it harder for me to be patient about the book process is that I was going through it <laughs> and not that you were going through it. And it's totally accurate in my view, what you were saying about how this book is really a gift to the world. It was a joy for me and quite an experience for me. Not that it wasn't work, but just wonderful to write this book. But writing the book was only one part. And it is intended as a gift to the readers who will enjoy it. Not every book is for every person, but for the people who like the Scrolls of Deborah, this is a gift for them. And I've been waiting for it to come out for a really long time. 
So I actually finished writing the first draft in May of 2021. So we're talking about, what is that? Almost three years since I began writing this, like not since I finished, not since I began, but since I finished writing this draft. And so it was finished in May of 2021 and it's not even coming out until February of 2024. And I didn't even know that it would be out in February, 2024 for part of that process. Because once I finished my draft, I was like, okay, now what's the next step? I need to find an agent or a publisher. And I began something that was a lot less fulfilling, a part of the process that was much more boring actually which was creating lists of agents and publishers to reach out to and submit my query letter to and then wait because part of the process is just to submit and wait. And many people say it could be six weeks before you hear back. It could be three months before you hear back. And that's actually only if they're interested. So if they're interested, they might get back to you in three months. Um, But if they're not interested, three months will go by, they may have looked at it and rejected it internally and not even let me know. So I found that really frustrating. (laughs) And I felt frustrated. And I think I was stuck on desire. I'm curious if impatience is another word for being stuck on desire. Because my desire was to have the process move forward, to have an answer on who will publish this book and how and when? Um, and I only had very limited control in that because all I could do was what I could do, which was to reach out and wait. So um, that was that was definitely challenging. <laughs> and uh, like with getting unstuck from anything else, you know, I went through the process often, not just once, but often because I felt impatient often. I felt that I had this desire to move it forward often. And I felt um, like it was out of my control often. So uh, it was a long process. I was definitely helped by your tools. And when I did get the contract with Row House Publishing in um, 2022, I'm not sure if that's right, but even I think maybe it was September of 2022. That feels about right because I think it was at the time that I signed the contract, it was still about 18 months until the book was going to come out. It did feel a little bit like I had some more control and we were moving forward once I had a contract with the publisher because then some steps could happen, the editing, the formatting, the, the cover design, letting more people know about it, all of that could happen because there was a publishing date set of February 20th, 2024. And here we are. Wow. It's, you know, it's, it's so important, I think, for people to hear, you know, like the real stories behind people's lives. You know, I think so often we just see people's successes and we don't see the backstory And we think it just, you know, came so easy or came so quickly to them. And it's never like that. You know, it's never, ever, ever like that. Um, So I just appreciate, you know, hearing your story and three years of of working on this since it was since the book was done. And I'm sure you were, you know, you wrote the book 
probably took you another year or something like that. So that's incredible. And just one word, I'm just going to make one comment before I ask the next question regarding the two emotions of emotion, emotion of uh, impatience and um, desire. You know, what I say to my students, as you know, is I like to use the metaphor of an onion, that when we get stuck, we can get stuck on layers of different emotions. And we often do. We often don't get stuck on one emotion. We often get stuck on many emotions. And when you go through the unstuck method, you go through the tool with one specific uh, emotion at a time. And then if you still feel stuck, then you go through it with another emotion. So I think desire and impatience were definitely uh, emotions that you were stuck on. And I also think that they are distinct. They come from two different thoughts um, that you would need to look at and, you know, get unstuck from as well to uncover and, uh, and work through them. But anyway, um, on the topic of unstuck, I think the unstuck method is in your book. So I know it's not spelled out. I know it's not obvious to people who don't know about the unstuck method. But when I was reading it, for the very first time, because I had, you know, an author copy in advance. Um, when I read it the first time I did, I said, I, I think this is the unstuck method. It was in a conversation with two people. So anyway, can, would you like to share that excerpt with us? I would love to. I would love to. And I'm so glad that you noticed it because as you know, I really love the unstuck method. I've gotten so much benefit from it. I think it's brilliant and incredibly helpful. And you and I have spoken about having the same language to be able to speak about getting unstuck with somebody who you know. And that's what happens here in this book, except that the unstuck method is not specifically mentioned by name. So this is uh, a book of historical fiction or biblical fiction. Uh, it takes place a couple thousand years ago, and they didn't have the acronym of S-T-U-C-K to help them get unstuck. But there are two people in this scene. The book is called The Scrolls of Deborah, and Deborah is the narrator in this scene. And she's speaking with Rebecca. And what happened recently was that Rebecca's son, Jacob, got Esau's blessing from their father, Isaac. And Rebecca helped Jacob trick Isaac into giving this blessing. And then Jacob fled for his life because he was afraid that Esau would kill him for having tricked him out of getting his blessing. And Rebecca, after the fact, feels terrible and is basically isolating herself in her misery. And then Deborah comes to help her get unstuck. And here is that scene. For anybody who has a copy, you can look later. It's on page 257. And as I said, it doesn't say S-T-U-C-K, but for the people who are familiar, I invite you to listen now for the five steps of getting unstuck. So it begins with Deborah speaking to Rebecca. She says, come, at least walk with me. To my pleasant surprise, Rebecca left the tent for the first time since Jacob's departure and walked with me in silence. When we reached the top of a hill, we sat together in the shade of the trees and looked below us at the camp. Rebecca, I said, tell me what is bothering you. Rebecca cried again. I had seen her cry daily since Jacob's departure, but this was a different cry. This one was loud, not with a few tears, but many. Her body shook and she spat and pounded the ground with her fists. 
When her gasping finally returned to easy breathing, I invited her again. I have done terribly wrong, she said. I have worked for a lifetime to prepare Jacob for receiving his father's blessing. Since the time that Yah spoke to me in my dream, I knew Jacob was the one who was important. The older will serve the younger. I would do everything I was able to make Jacob worthy of that blessing. And now I have ruined all of that. I have turned him into a trickster and a fugitive. Oh, Deborah, she resumed her sobs. And do you wish to hear the worst part of it all? She did not pause, for she knew she had my attention for anything she would say. The worst part is that I have both failed at preparing him and I have failed my firstborn son. In all of my efforts to guide Jacob, I did not think of Esau for his whole life, right up to betraying him in his moment of earned pride and glory. Oh, Deborah, I am the worst mother who ever lived. I have ruined both of my children, and I shall not even have more chances to do a good job with a new baby. This sounds terrible, I said. I paused so that she might have a moment of sympathy before I continued. Then I said, yet it is not true. Rebecca looked at me. Has Jacob not become a skilled shepherd? Has he not learned to read and to scribe? I asked, are those not skills of great importance? Rebecca nodded. Did you not watch Jacob with pride as he strode to his quiet places every evening to talk with Yah? Is that not a great practice that you helped him build? She nodded again. Does Esau not feed his wives and children and laugh with them and love them, I asked. She had to agree, for he did. When Esau returned from a hunt, did you not praise his patience and persistence, as well as the flavors of his food? When he returned with a swollen arm, did you not cook the herbs for the poultice and wrap his bandage every morning and evening? I did, she said. And did you not catch his very first son on your knees and insist that he circumcised the child himself? And has that not happened for all of Esau's boys, thanks to you? It has, she said. These are just a few examples from a lifetime. Perhaps our sons are not ruined, I said. I was not pleased with her trickery, but I was proud of the skills that the young men had required, had acquired. Do you think you can call yourself the worst mother who has ever lived? Surely there is one mother, or possibly two, who have done worse. I could see that she was still thinking of ways she had failed, but she also laughed, for she heard the absurdity of it. Perhaps in a distant land, I added, giving her hand a squeeze. Perhaps one far, far away, she conceded, though probably not as many as two. Now she gave me a smile. I could see her pain was still there but she was making room for it to leave. Rebecca, I said, can you please see yourself with my eyes? I see a mother who has loved her children the best she knew how. She fed and clothed them, licked their wounds and sang them songs, made them with a generous and kind father who has also taught them, not to mention a generous and kind auntie who has taught them many things. Rebecca put her head on my shoulder and let her quiet tears fall there. Can you do that, I asked? Can you see the mother that I see? I would like to, Deborah. I believe that you would not lie to me. So there we have it. We have the stop, the tell, 
the uncovering, the considering, and the kindness. I love it. I love that the unstuck method is in your book. And first of all, kudos to you for creating a a live scene where one woman was coaching another woman to get unstuck. That that it just blows my mind that you were able to do that. My question is Esther, why did you do that? Why did you bring the unstuck method? Why did you decide to bring the unstuck method into your book? Well, for me, the unstuck method is almost like the air I breathe or the water that I swim in. I've become so familiar with it through you and use it so frequently with myself or with other people that it's it's just the way I do it. It's like putting one foot in front of the other. And they say in writing, write what you know, <laughs> right? So I know, not only do I know the unstuck method, I also know how good it feels to get unstuck using that method and also how helpful and compassionate it feels to help somebody else get unstuck. And when Rebecca in the novel was going through this difficult time and Deborah wanted to help her, she didn't have your tool because it's fiction and it's in the past, but I think that she had the heart. And so I put it in the book because I think that the unstuck method is just such a lovely way for people to help a friend or help themselves. And I think one of the key components to your method is the kindness piece at the end. And often we're not kind enough with ourselves. And it's really helpful when there is somebody from the outside who can come and show that kindness to us. And in this particular case, Rebecca was really beating herself up for probably what could be considered a really poor choice that she had made. And so she needed somebody else to come from the outside and say something like, I don't necessarily agree with what you did, but I don't judge your whole character based on this one incident. And remember, there are these other great things that happened. And this thought that you're thinking might not be 100% true and you deserve kindness also. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I read, you know, an advanced reader copy. Um, I don't know if I read it twice or three times or something like that, but I love this book so much. I love how it brought the characters of the Bible alive. I often find myself like, forgetting who the characters were, forgetting who was married to who, you know, in the Torah, in the Bible, many of the characters just have like a few sentences here and there. We don't really know much about them. And what I love about your book is that you just took basically one sentence. That's all we have about Deborah. We have one sentence. All we know is that she was Rebecca's nursemaid and that she died. That's all we know. And then you made this entire life story which is so compelling. So I want to invite every single one of my podcast listeners to order this book today. It's actually coming out today, February 20th, Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. If you like historical fiction, if you like anything on the theme of parenting, sisterhood, friendships, connection, community, even multi-generational family saga, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss getting this book. 
And if you live in the States or if you live in you know, Canada, you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or your local bookstore. But even if you're outside of the States and maybe you're like, well, Amazon's not going to send it to me. I want to invite you to send it as a gift to a friend because your friend is going to love it. And then when you go visit your friend, you'll have a book to read when you're there. So the name of the book is called The Scrolls of Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, The Scrolls of Deborah. And Esther, I just want to say thank you for coming on today, for sharing that excerpt with us, for sharing the real story. I mean, this is, as most of my listeners know, that I'm very vulnerable. I share my real life stories. And I'm really grateful that you did the same, that you were honest and that you shared about your journey and your impatience and the difficulty of getting here. And I just want to congratulate you for getting to this place where you are today. It's just wonderful and it's amazing. And I'm really proud of you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast and for being such a huge supporter and for all the many ways that you have supported me and this book. Everything from cheering me on to teaching me the unstuck method so that I could not so that I could put it in this book, but now it's in that book because of that. So thank you. Okay, my dear listeners, thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. As a reminder, I am inviting you to consider getting a copy of this book today, The Scrolls of Deborah. You can get it in paperback. You can get it as a Kindle version. You can even get it as an audio version. Already the audio is out consider getting a copy of this book. And I would love to hear from you personally after you read it, what you think. Thank you so much for considering that. All right, so that's it for this week. I want to wish you a wonderful rest of your week. And remember, you can handle anything. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the You Can Handle Anything podcast. If this podcast adds value to your life, I would be so grateful if you could spare 30 seconds to do three things. One, follow or subscribe to the podcast. Two, leave me a rating on whatever podcast app you listen on. And three, share an episode with a friend. Your support keeps the podcast thriving. And for that, I am truly grateful. I look forward to being back with you next week.